0: Welcome to the interview on the Raptors Republic Podcast Network. I'm Andrew Damlet at Raptors 905 Practice. Today, we got a proud Belleville Tiger, Michigan State Spartan, and forward for the Raptors 905, Gabe Brown. Gabe, how are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm good, man. No, thank you for doing this. And what I like to do on these podcasts is I like to sort of travel the journey of, uh, of everyone from the staff to the players, see how they got here. I know... Rappers nine hundred five for many people is is a pit stop or they hope it's a pit stop to bigger and better things, but it's a good spot to be in. So that's how I kind of like to kind of like to do things, and I always like to start with one question, which is growing up, and you're from Ypsilanti, Michigan. Growing up at Ypsilanti, what's your first vivid basketball memory?
1: Uh, my first vivid basketball memory, I had to say, um, going to the park as a kid playing at Sugarbrook Park. It's kind of like the main park of where I'm from and just playing outside all day and playing in the driveway at home, that's probably the main main too. So, and then I'm sure you played with your dad a lot growing
0: up as a kid. He was very serious about basketball and before things got super serious going into high school when recruiting starts and Belleville gets very intense, as a kid, when was basketball most fun for you?
1: Um, I'll probably have to say... I mean, it's always been fun. Don't get me wrong, it's always been fun, but it was probably way more fun when I was a kid because it was just, like, stress-free. Just go out there, just play, just have fun with it. I mean, especially at a young age, not really schools are looking at you when you're, like, in seventh, eighth grade, especially for myself. I mean, some guys got different treatment, but for me, it was just going out there and just having fun.
0: So you get to high school, and, you know, it's been well-documented, the ups and downs that uh, happened, especially early on in grade eight and nine. Um, Your dad, your mentor, the person who who brought you up, tragically passed away. And there was a time when you thought that you might actually leave basketball Mm -hmm. and you might give it up altogether. I know you leaned on your brother, Nick, during that period. What was the biggest force for you to stick with basketball, get back to to the game that you loved?
1: Um, It was really my brother. Uh, I never gave up on anything in my life, especially basketball that's the one thing i'm like i treat that as like my livelihood i treat it as my whole heart i care about basketball more than anything so the main factor was never giving up and i didn't want to i didn't want to be that that guy that just gave up on his dreams and my brother got me back into it and hey that's where we at now did you ever surprise yourself the amount you were able to persevere as a young kid um i don't i don't usually look back on i usually don't look back on the things um that happened in the past in terms of how how good i done got through the course of the time i mean my family always remind me everybody always remind me but i really don't never sit down and just think about it but it is kind of like it's kind of a blessing that i actually got to pursue my dreams and get to do get to do something that i very love to do and that's to play, the, play this game
0: and it was it wasn't a sure thing that you were going to go to any d1 school early on you didn't make the varsity team as a sophomore uh, and then you happened to grow 6'3 to 6'7, I think, over the course of the summer. And you had your AAU coach, Mike Filetti, You also had your high school coach, Adam Trompour. Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? What kind of role did Adam Trompour play for you while you're navigating everything going on in your life off the court, on the court, in the class? What kind of role did he play throughout your high school he just, experience?
1: He just always pushed me. I mean, every single day he pushed me. I mean, I'm a guy that works on his game three to four times a day maybe even five times a day he knows that so he didn't have to really push me to put in the work but in the classroom he pushed me on in practice he pushed me defense uh just everything everything about Gabe Brown he wanted me to get better at, and I respected him for it and uh he was one guy that was in school that would stay after with me and help me with my schoolwork and things like that so I appreciate him for just even being there because if I didn't have him probably I probably wouldn't have made it so so with Mike Filetti. So you mentioned
0: he got on you a little bit. Are you the type of player? Some players need to be, they say that, you know, I need, I want a coach to be on me. Some players think, no, we need that distance and, like, I can motivate myself. Is there a time where if a coach got on you, whether it was Coach Trapoor or maybe Coach Izzo going, you know, going forward at Michigan State, was there a time it was tough for a coach to get on you or is that just kind of always how you like to be motivated?
1: Um, that's kind of always how I like to be motivated. I always, always heard if a coach doesn't talk to you, then it's bad. And I always, I always wanted the coach to be on me because it just pushed me harder to make, make me make me know that I'm that I'm messing up and I can I can improve and I can keep going. And I can get better. So I, I really I really needed it. But I'm a but I'm a self-motivated guy when it comes to just working on my game. So they didn't have to help me in that area. But just everything else, they pushed me and I needed it. So
0: you move on at Belleville, have an incredible senior season. I think you average 18 points a game and I believe this is the story that I saw on the Michigan State website that there was an event that, or maybe it was a, it was a Michigan State event that your team attended at Belleville. Mm-hmm. And it was June eighteenth, 2018, I think the year was, where Coach Izzo calls you up to his office yeah. and tells you that you, they're going to offer you uh, to come to Michigan State. And that was unexpected. Mm-hmm. Can you take me into Coach Izzo's office for, for that
1: moment? Um. So me. So so me and coaches had a had a very mutual like. He started recruiting me. I started going up there as when I was in like ninth grade. I started working out, going up there. He got to notice me a little bit more to see me on the A U circuit. Then uh, by the time it got to my my junior, well, that might have been sophomore. Nah, what was that? Yeah, junior summer going into senior year. My last my last A U my last AU, um, it was, like, the school, like, school ball, you know, when you play against, like, uh, play against other high schools but at other different colleges. And the first game we played against Clarkston, and Foster Lawyer, he was he one of my good friends and one of my good teammates that was there in my recruiting class. And uh, I played bad against him, and he came to watch me. And I I was just all in my head, like, dang, I'm not going to get this offer, this, that, and the third. Then the next, the next three games I ended up having, like, 30, 35-plus, and – he was there to watch it all, and uh, I remember. I remember it was Miles, Miles Bridges, Tum Tum, and Josh Langford. They pulled me to the locker room and said, um, "Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna offer you. You just gotta be patient. You just gotta just gotta keep just keep doing what you're doing. It's gonna happen." Yeah, after one game, I had like I think I had like 22, 25. Might have been the last one. He called me up to his office, and Mike Garland. He's like a close family member to me. So we're very close, and he called me up, and we just sat down me and my brother, and he said he offered me a scholarship, and it's probably the, probably one of the best days of my life.
0: You might be looking at my notes right now, because my next question was, when I say the name Mike Garland, uh-huh. what comes to mind?
1: Family. Uh, he's, he's one important person to me. He always, he always cared for me, always respected me, always, always treated me like I was one of his sons, and uh, I appreciate Mike, Mike Garland for everything, because he always pushed me.
0: So he was the speci- he's a special assistant to Coach Izzo at Michigan State. And in this piece about you on their website, Mike Garland appeared almost emotional in this piece about you, how you'd grown in the few years that you were at Michigan State. You know, There's Coach Izzo, who's got this aura around him, and then there's the assistants, and, and Mike Garland seemed to be the one that sort of took you under his wing. Is there a moment, maybe it was in your freshman year, when you weren't really playing that much, Maybe it was in the, the COVID year when it was up and down with Coach Izzo, where Mike Garland kind of took you aside and and showed you the way, if you will.
1: Um yeah, for sure, for sure. Cause I'm coming out of high school, this is for any player. Well, but this is for any player, but for myself, um coming out of high school, it's not guaranteed that you go into a situation you're gonna play. And for myself, I walked into a situation where I had five, five to six to seven vets in front of me. So it was tough for me not to play coming off a of, a great high school career that I had. Um, it was tough for me not to play it. I was I was getting I was getting depressed. I was getting sad. I wanted to know what what was going on why I wasn't playing. But I had to realize there was people ahead of me. And Mike Garland pulled me to the side a, a few times and just told me just stay patient, stay solid during the course of course of this, and just the time gonna come. And it, it eventually did. And I I, re, I respect him for that because he he always he always kept my he always kept my head high. And you wouldn't
0: have known that you were depressed or sad in that freshman season because what you were known for that year were these funny dances, exaggerated dances yeah. on the sideline, like the flexing and the smiling. I mean, you know, listen, we're, we're totally different people. but We've both gone through mental health stuff, and I could never sh- sort of outwardly show that I'm happy if I'm not feeling good. Mm-hmm. How are you able to, to put that mask on, if you remember?
1: Um. I mean, there was days where I was mad. There was days where I was frustrated. They noticed it and they seen it. But um, I just try to be upbeat about everything. I'm not a person that's going to be down, going to be sad to everybody. I I'm not a person that want to bring the energy down in a room. I'm an, energy, I'm an energy giver. So I just walked through the situation just and just been happy about everything. Of course, I was mad. Of course, I was depressed about things. Of course, I wanted things to be different. But at the end of the day, you got to realize your time. You just got to waste your time, man. I understood that, and I got myself out of it, and I just focused on my work. I mean, my work has never failed me. Me working out, me me grinding, me just going hard every day, it never failed me. So I just focused on that, and everything else took care of itself.
0: Yeah, and it was – so that's your freshman year. Then your sophomore year, you, you start a ton of games. Your junior year, 2020, the, the COVID year, you started like seven or eight games, I think. And there's a very famous video at the NCAA tournament – With Coach Izzo, Uh, it was going into halftime. (laughs) You missed the defensive assignment. And look, from my just watching it, it didn't seem... I I felt like the media kind of blew it out of proportion. Uh Because he wasn't... So what happened was, for the listeners, is you've missed the defensive assignment. They made a three-point shot. And on the way to the locker room, Coach Izzo was trying to get your attention. He may have tugged at your arm a little bit. It didn't seem like anything out of bounds. But listen, from that point on, you become the captain of the team next year at that moment if you had known that you'd become the captain next year would that have even surprised you um
1: no no it wouldn't have surprised me I mean coach is trusting me from from day one and he said one day I was gonna be captain so (laughs) um it it didn't surprise me at all I wanted the role I wanted to take it and I wanted to be that I wanted to be that guy that people look up to and I felt last year coming off of a senior year I felt I was that guy people looked up to people respected people loved. people love to be around me so I I very much wanted it and I very much took the best role in doing it and I appreciate it for just giving me that. So on the court you take that experience you get to the NCAA
0: tournament the next year you have a tough loss to Duke in the second round but during that season I, th- I found a date that uh, you had a great night and I'm wondering if I just named the date would you be able to identify what happened in that game? on that date. Okay? So the date of the game is February fifth, twenty twenty two. See some people can name stuff like instantly February and others. February
1: fifth, twenty twenty two.
0: So you went six for seven from the three point line. Uh in that game, career high in three pointers.
1: Oh against high point. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that was February. I thought that was later. I thought that was before. I think I got that right. Yeah. So
0: you, you hit six threes in another game. You went six for thirteen. This one you went for six for seven. And I'm just for the listeners. I always like to ask shooters that have come through the 905. What does it feel like to be feeling it?
1: Uh, it feels good. I mean, for me, for me, once I hit my first shot, I know I'm good. For me, that that's one thing about me. I can I notice about me. If I hit my first shot, I feel like I'm hot. But there's no shot that I don't like, though. So I'm 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 a shooter. So I'm a shoot. I'm a shoot the ball. And th- being with the 905, they want me to shoot the ball. So I didn't took some ridiculous shots and they went in. and I took some bad shots and they and they went in. So um, about me, it's just about it's just about staying locked in and stay stay focused on my mechanics. Um, I'm a guy that's big on legs, using your legs a lot when it comes to shooting, and that's one thing I try to focus on every time I shoot the ball.
0: You mentioned taking tough shots, and there's there's one game where I feel like you were the most free for the 905. I think so. Delano Banton, Doughton, and Harper were all out of the lineup. This was November 23rd. I think it was against Long Island. I remember early in the game, you took this deep three, and I'm like, oh, he, he must have. Coach Curry must have talked to him before the game, say, "Hey, man, let it fly." Yeah. Am I make like I just made that up? Did that actually happen? Was there a pregame discussion like, "All right, Gabe, you got the green light tonight"?
1: Nah. I just go into a game looking to score. I mean, and especially, of course, do my job and do everything else. But I look look into a game. I mean, I'm a shooter, so I have to score the ball. So um, just in that moment, it was during the – that's crazy because it was during the, the warm-up before the game. And I'm talking to uh, – it might have been Devin Daniels. He, used to, he was on our team. And I was shooting the ball from half court, and I was making it. And he's like, yeah, you're going to have a good night tonight. (laughs) And I went out there, and I hit like two or three from the logo. It it was crazy. So, yeah. So going back just for a second to to Michigan
0: State, you finish out your career, and you go on the summer summer league with the Raptors, go undrafted, have a successful summer league, score 23 points against the Pelicans. I don't know if you're the type of person that doubts yourself or thinks you're not good enough at certain points, but at that game – did you start to feel like you belonged in the NBA at all? Um,
1: nah, I felt I always belonged. I felt like I could always play here. I mean, it was never no big deal. Basketball is basketball at the end of the day to me. So if you go out there and play with the best, then you can do it. And out there, it just felt, it just felt like another game. Just going out there, just hitting shots, playing defense, playing hard. It's just, it was just another game to me. Yeah. And those Rico Hines runs, I just took took
0: a look at a quick little video clip, and it's like a minute and a half of just Gabe Brown at the at the Rico Hines runs. And what I see is Pascal Siakam just hitting you in your shooting pocket. Like again, it's a highlight reel. This doesn't show the entire game. But are you at all during that game, like man, Pascal is feeding me Pascal Siakam, this All Star, second team All NBA player, like he's feeding me in my shooting pocket. Is this oh. is this not crazy? Where like where I'm at right now?
1: Um, no, nah, it wasn't. It wasn't surreal to me. I get. I get. He's a. He's a phenomenal player, of course. But um, it was just being out there with a person that could, that plays basketball just like me, goes out there and have fun, works on his craft the same way. So um, I respected it because he a guy that he's a he's a bucket getter in my eyes. So he could have went and t- took those shots. But for me, he trusted me, so I felt respected. And probably my my NBA moment probably happened during then, where I was like, yeah, I could play with the best of them. Yeah. I proved it when I was out there, I felt. Yeah, you proved it then. You proved it in
0: preseason, too. You know, yeah. listen, this Raptors roster is like got 12 of somewhat like gay brown type of yeah. players, you know, six seven, six nine long. Although they need some shooting right now. And perhaps, yeah. uh, perhaps you, could, you could help them out in that regard. But you head down to the Raptors 9.05. And like I said, you know, your role fluctuates night to night based on the two ways that are down, the assignees that are down. How is Coach Curry... Personally, sort of helped you navigate what's always a difficult sort of minor league transition?
1: Um, I'd have to say just staying stay focused. Just staying focused and not giving up. I mean, it's basketball. It's, it's going to be things that happen. It don't matter if you play 10 minutes, 5 minutes, or 30 minutes. At the end of the day, you got to go out there and just go out there and get a win. And I'm big on win. I want to win every game. So just me, just getting an opportunity to just play is... It's a blessing for me. I just I just love to play basketball.
0: What's one difference between Coach Izzo and Coach Curry? Among probably a hundred,
1: the yellow. <laughs> the yelling. It's not really as much yelling over here. So, yeah. Now, I mean, you're, you know, they say like
0: professionals. That's that's not going to fly quite as much with professional basketball players. And usually, pros are more self-motivated than perhaps a college kid is. But you know with with coach izzo like do you ever listen to jj Reddick's podcast mm-hmm. so he said you know listen he's a duke legend obviously but he says there's still an aura around coach k whenever he even spends any time with him it's like he still isn't quite himself when he's around coach k is there an aura around coach izzo
1: um yeah yeah for sure it is um but for me it's more so i just i could just look back on the things that we had like the yelling, the back and forth, things like that. And you kinda it's kinda that aura around where you're not you kinda like nervous to say something, this, that, and the third. But I mean I can go to Iz to talk to him about anything and I have before, so I think I think it's not not as much for me, but I feel like we have a we have like a very, very, very close relationship and I try to I try to use him as a tool each and every day. I try to talk to him every day and try to get tips. And he's there to help, he's there to call me, he's there to watch my game. So um I respect i respect it for just even just even being there
0: and speaking of guys old coaches watching your games in motor city coach trumpur was there yeah did you know he was coming like how yeah. was that how was that seeing him um, enter that building and watching you play pro ball
1: it's it's crazy it's crazy that it's crazy that i made it here i think that's the that's the biggest thing to like my family my friends my coaches because a lot of people didn't believe in me and i always stuck with always stuck with my craft and stuck with my work to get here and I, just going back home and just seeing everybody and just seeing everybody smile and just having pe- having just love around just felt good and I knew coach I knew coach Trump was coming because we we talked we talked on Thanksgiving we talked on Thanksgiving I went up to the gym to to my old high school and we talked and he said he was coming
0: and you know so you're you're at the G League clearly not the hope for the end destination but at the same time you've accomplished so much. Uh, thus far you know you made it through so many tribulations in high school got to Michigan State an incredible school you've played NBA you know with the NBA players although this isn't the end goal do you ever take a second to reflect on how much you've accomplished
1: um yeah that's one thing no nah, not really I really don't look, I really don't look back at it I mean my family always tell me they remind me like, they remind me every day on how much, I, how much I done got past a lot of things in, in my life. And I respect it, but I'm, I'm not done yet. That's the thing with me. I, I'm, I'm always pushing forward, always trying to get better, always just trying to see, see, see my destination. That's what I want to get to. And I don't really look back on it, but it is, it is some things that I could, like, toot, toot my own horn to, like, wow, I did this and wow, I made it and things like that. But I'm not done yet. Well, you can leave
0: that to the media, guys like me, to say Gabe Brown has accomplished a ton thus far. He's got a lot to be proud of, and I know that you've got a lot more uh, goals ahead of you. So listen, Gabe, I, I really appreciate the time. Thanks for taking some extra time after practice. Good luck on these next couple road games, and good
1: luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. I appreciate it.